0: If you would turn to Mark's gospel, as we continue in the gospel, we are now in verses 32 through 42, 32 through 42. We're at the point of Christ's prayer in Gethsemane. to just listen carefully to the holy word of God. And they went to the place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch. And going a little further, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray. Help us, O Lord, to see that the Father's will, as well as the Son's will, is that which was done. Help us to see what our Savior himself is speaking to us about concerning how he bore our sins for us on the cross. Help us to be filled with the love of Christ in our hearts for what he has accomplished. In Christ's name, amen. Therefore, stay awake, lest he, Christ, come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. These words were uttered by the Son of God in his Olivet Discourse in chapter 13 of Mark's Gospel, which we went over. We carefully digested Christ's warning and concern to the disciples soon to be apostles as appointed guardians of the gospel of Christ in his church. They, the ordained officers of Christ's church, are the doorkeepers of the sacred word of Christ's gospel, chapter 13, verse 34. Do you recall which disciples heard these wo- those words from the mouth of Christ in terms of the Olivet discourse? Was it not Peter, James, John, and Andrew, chapter 13, verse 3? Now, notice as he approaches Gethsemane with his disciples, he tells them to sit here while I pray. Verse 32 of our text, then notice that he takes only Peter, James and John with him into Gethsemane, leaving Andrew with the rest of the disciples. Only three go with him into the garden. Just keep that in mind over the next two weeks, this concept of three in this this incident. So as he removes himself with only these three disciples, we will focus upon two aspects of Mark's narrative. First of all, Christ's own prayer, verses 33 through 36. We'll focus on that this morning. And secondly, his interaction with his disciples, verses 37 through 42, which we will look at next week this morning as we turn now and look at Christ's own prayer verses 33 through 36 I assume that all of us are aware of Christ's personal agony as he comes into the garden to pray mark tells us that he began to be greatly distressed and troubled verse 33 Christ tells the three disciples, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Then Mark tells us that he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Then Mark presents Christ echoing his own words, what Mark had just stated, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Verse 36, the word of God does not hide the anguish, the distress which Christ endured going to the cross on our behalf, the weight of bearing our sin is strongly presented to the church and to the world as mark places his evangelistic gospel of good news before all who will read about christ's suffering you do not want to miss how profound christ's prayer is for your own union with the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. As the fulfillment of the Passover Lamb of God, when he institutes the Lord's Supper, back in verses 22 through 25, Christ now enters his Passover mediatorial office of priest who prays you may have forgotten that the passover night was a vigil of watch and pray as the angel of death passed over the israelites homes in egypt this vigil of watching and praying was part of the passover activity in the life of the children of israel Notice this tradition was installed in Exodus chapter 12, verse 42. Speaking of the night of the Passover, it was the night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So the same night of watching, kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Christ tells the three disciples to remain and watch. Christ uses two imperatives here. Remain and watch going back to the exodus passage these disciples are to be entering into the watching of the lord coming in his judgment against the enemies of the gospel and preserving god's people through prayer you are seeing right here the extension of the governance of the church after the lord's supper in this situation of prayer The disciples soon to be apostles will govern over Christ's church and must be watchful over the purity, the purity of Christ's church. But notice, but notice here the importance of Christ praying, of Christ praying. In Mark's narrative. We do not have a picture of the disciples praying, nor a reference of Israel praying. The only person pictured as praying is Jesus, is Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples, sit here while I pray, verse 32 of our text congregation the final mediator is here who is the head of his church whose word of prayer now word of prayer will never pass away he is the sole person praying in Mark's narrative here in verses 33 through 36 and in terms of the theme that Christ alone, Christ alone. Remember last week's message? That Christ alone secures our redemption. Notice that he departs from all the disciples and then he departs from the three disciples to pray alone. Alone. He alone is the fulfillment of the priestly office in the Passover ceremony. He is both the sacrifice for sin and the mediator who prays for the accomplishment of the good news in his saving work on the cross. Mark's gospel records three incidents of Christ going off to pray on his own, alone. Gethsemane, this passage before us this morning, is the third occasion. Again, remember the number three, Each occasion occurs as a time of solitude of Christ and at night. The other two times in Mark's gospel is in 1.35 and in 6.46. This time right here before us is the end point of his earthly ministry and his work of redemption, which is about to be finalized. The gravity, the gravity of the moment is visibly placed before each of us, the reader. As we have stated, we now are peering into the weight that is upon his shoulders for our sake. As he takes Peter, James, and John with him, Mark does not hold back. Christ became greatly distressed and troubled. Literally extreme mental and spiritual ag and anguish and distress, losing his compelled closure. Christ even admits to those disciples that his soul is very sorrowful, crushed by grief, even unto death. Mark is delivering the best description of Christ's soul that he can at this moment which can register upon our human finite minds and hearts Christ is seriously distressed troubled sorrowful miserable Oh, the weight of the moment concerning the content of his prayer. He fell, notice the text, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Here in prayer, Christ is engaged in a crucial moment in his life concerning fully submitting fully submitting to the will of his father who is in heaven. Can this hour pass from him? Can the cup he is about to drink be removed? After all, all things are possible by a sovereign father in heaven. Christ even issues A command, there's an imperative here to his father in his prayer, remove this cup from me, verse 36. But immediately in praying freely to his father, he moves from his own will to the sovereign will of his father in which they have agreed, they have agreed from the realm of God's eternal decree and do not miss how the immediate relationship between the son and the father is in this solemn prayer. Christ addresses his father as you can see in the text as Abba Father. This is amazing. This is amazing. Christ never joined himself with the disciples to pray using the phrase, Our Father. Christ always made this distinction. He would pray to his Father in heaven as My Father and maintain that the disciples and thus the people of God are to address their father in heaven as your father. What is truly interesting here is that there is no evidence at this time in Palestine that a Jew would use the very personal term of Abba to address God. The term Abba, that term that you see here, was the common Jewish household term used to express a human respectful relationship between one's father and one's children. You would never use the term Abba in reference to God. That would be viewed as disrespectful to God. On the other hand, Jesus does not hesitate to use the term Abba, which expresses an inward, confident, and intimate relationship of a child to his father. In verse 36, Christ's prayer to Abba Father is an expression of the obedient surrender and unconditional faith in his father in heaven. Well, at this point, at this point, congregation, I would be negligent as your pastor, if I did not bring your attention, bring to your attention, two popular attacks by the secular world with respect to the text that we are reading here. With respect to verses 33 through 36, if your heart has been truly engaged to to Mark's evangelistic message, and you claim to be a follower of Christ and a carrier of the message of Christ into the surroundings of your life, you should desire to be equipped for these attacks. The first attack deals with the deity of our savior, Jesus Christ. We have already addressed the attack from the non-Christian world about Christ's deity when he states that he does not know the day of his second coming. We looked at that in chapter 13, verse 32. Well, the so-called false conflict between Jesus will and the Father's will has been used by non-Christians to state that Jesus is not God. After all, they will tell you that Jesus has his own independent will and the Father has his own independent will and Jesus admits that the father's will is superior to his will yet not what I will but what you will verse 36 is what they will quote thus the non-christian says that Jesus is not fully God in the same manner that the father is well let me just say the non-christian does not have a clue As to what is going on with respect to Jesus's serious prayer about the unfolding of his work on the cross to purchase our redemption Jesus is submitting to his father's will because his father's will is really his will as well in fact that is what verse 36 is all about It is one will between the father and the son from eternity. Hold on to that point, please hold on. It will become clearer as we look at the second popular attack on this passage in certain arrogant pockets of unbelief. The second area that is very, very popular is the issue of Socrates versus Jesus Christ? Socrates versus Jesus Christ. The argument is often met, put forth in terms of this. Socrates is brave, facing death. You see this if you wish to read from Plato's Dialogues the Apology and the Phaedo. The accusation is that Christ is afraid. To put it bluntly from the non-Christian's perspective, Christ is a chicken facing death. The Gethsemane scene about Christ before his death is proof that Christ is a weak human figure Whereas Socrates before the courts of the democratic of democratic Athens proves that he is a strong human figure facing death. Socrates is a better role model for humanity facing death than Jesus. Well, please note this. The reason that Socrates faces death so bravely is because as a philosopher he had shaped his understanding of life that he gets to go to the form world after death. It is like a heaven and gets to live forever like a swan. Since this is his deep religious belief, he has no fear of death. So as Jesus's agony in Gethsemane really about the fear of dying? Is it demonstrating that he is a chicken? That he is a weak, pathetic person in the face of death? How would you defend Jesus against Socrates? How would you defend and present the good news against that attack? Let me just share with you. This has become in my class that I teach for the OPC in apologetics, this illustration between Christ and Socrates has become very popular. People have heard about it. They can't wait for me to get into it with them on this issue. These are ministers. These are elders in the OPC and over the 20 years teaching that class. It's been difficult to get answers to this question I'm asking you what's going on in your mind right now Socrates or Christ how would you answer the non Christian Well, if you believe in Jesus and love Jesus, you need to understand that there is a huge difference between Jesus and Socrates. Socrates has created his own world of the afterlife by his own fallen mind. And it brought him temporal peace in his heart as he drinks the poisonous beverage of the hemlock to his death he will discover after his death that the form world of eternal peace is in fact his own creation that has no hope but only eternal judgment in stark contrast What is truly causing this scene of agony for Jesus as he enters prayer with his Abba Father? What is causing that scene of agony? Let me draw your attention to the hour and the cup in verses 36 and 37 of of this text. They are synonymous terms pointing to the passion of Christ, his death. The cup is the vessel of death as well as God's wrath that Jesus willingly takes from his father's hand in fulfillment of his redeeming mission for his elect children to repeat. He takes the cup succumbing to the wrath of God for the sake of redeeming sinners, redeeming sinners. Yes, he who knew no sin, he who knew no sin is now taking all the sins of his people upon him. That he, that, that is the cup that he has chosen to drink. You talk about a heavy burden upon his body and spirit, the weight that is upon his will as he faces this situation for you. You have before you in Jesus in Gethsemane the the superior disciple of god's kingdom the one who is denying himself for the sake of others the ultimate servant of those who are born in the state of eternal slavery to sin cleansed only by the blood of christ on the cross does socrates death atone for anyone's sin. This arrogant slave to his own created world achieves nothing on behalf of believers, of his followers. As I like to say, his form world, where he thinks he is going to go like a swan, is nothing but a Fig Newton of his imagination. It does not exist. In contrast, The cup. Christ's will indicates that Jesus saw himself confronted. Not by a cruel destiny, but by the judgment of God. Are you grasping the depth for your own religious soul? of Christ exercising his priestly office of mediator. The cup, the suffering in which Jesus endures in the garden prayers upon the cro- unto the cross is completely, is completely incomprehensible to us because nothing like it falls within our consciousness. Nothing. within our consciousness that we can understand what Jesus is going through. You got it now, right? When Jesus says not what I will that phrase not what I will has nothing to do with him being a lesser being than his father. Remember, I told you to hold that point. Has nothing to do with him being a lesser being than his father, even to the point of questioning his deity. Rather, his will indicates him being confronted and becoming A bearer of the sin of others unto the judgment of God when he knew no sin. This is incredible. This is incredible good news to all those who by grace come to Christ through faith and repentance. And Socrates, he has no right to be mentioned in the same breath as our Savior. His so called rule model of bravery ends in dust and a soul that is without Christ in hell. Meanwhile, meanwhile, let us exalt our voices in humble thanksgiving of the ultimate relationship we now enjoy in union with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know these words Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul has placed them before you. Paul has placed them upon you to take them unto your own heart. Invoice them. Is this on your tongue this morning? Are these words from Paul in your heart this morning? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also be glorified with him. Romans 8, 15 through 17. Let us pray in these words. our heavenly Father, we cry out, Abba Father, with so much thanksgiving and praise that the Lord Jesus Christ has come for us. We thank thee for the deliverance from the wrath of God, from the judgment of God. Through his blood and sacred righteousness. And we ask, O oh God, that we would see him in all his glory for what he has done for each of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.